Amen. Thank you so much, choir. We want to welcome you to East Hillsville Baptist Church this morning, whether you're uh, here live or uh, watching online. I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning. Just want to make mention of a couple things. August the 28th, we'll have our uh, quarterly business meeting. In that meeting, we'll vote on our nominate committee report for the upcoming year and also uh, the budget for the upcoming year. And our budgets are put out all throughout the church. So if you'd like to get one of those uh, before you uh, leave for home today, please be sure to get one of those. And then next Sunday, for the next two weeks, our budget finance committee will be uh, in the conference room. If you'd like to talk, have any discussion about the budget, they'd be more than happy to uh, talk to you about that. Also, you can go back several months where I preach the message on when you give, where does the money go? That kind of self-explanatory. Uh, so if you'd like to watch that, you can do that as well. Also, on that Sunday, we'll be in the sanctuary for that Sunday morning, and we'll have a baptismal service uh, that Sunday morning. So if you're a candidate for baptism, please contact the church office so that we can schedule that with you. And also, if you're interested in church membership, inside your bulletin, there's a care card. And that care card is used for a lot of different things. If you're interested in church membership, please fill that out and put it in the basket in the back. Um, if you'd like a visit from a staff person because of COVID, we ask you to schedule those visits yourself because we just don't want to show up in your home because everyone is kind of different when it comes to that. Or if you have a loved one in the hospital, and let me just make mention of this as well, every hospital is different on visitation. Uh, so on, on who can visit and how that visit goes takes place. So if, you'd, if you're in the hospital or if you have a loved one in the hospital, Please contact us, and I'll say this up front. If you're having surgery, a lot of times they will not allow a minister in the surgical area because if someone has COVID, then you'll have to shut down the whole surgical center, but we can usually go afterwards. So please keep that in mind, and please contact us if that happens. Remember, if you put it as your Facebook status, I don't see it, okay? So don't get mad at me, but please just call the church office so that we could have a record revisit. The Bible says this is the day the Lord has made, amen? And let's rejoice and be glad in it. So if you'll stand with a smile on your face, if you'll turn and welcome one another to the house of the Lord this morning.
If you're a visitor and, and maybe you hadn't been here for a while, this is a time in our service where we set aside that you can come forward by yourself. You can come with a friend or your family and pray. You can pray for yourself, of course. You can pray for your family. You can pray for those in the bulletin. We have many names in the bulletin of people who most of those need your need got the Lord's touch physically or have, or have a loved one who's near death or who has died. And uh, we put their names in the bulletin so you'll know to pray for them. And uh, isn't it amazing that one day we'll get to heaven and we'll realize how important this time is. In just a moment, I'm going to talk about different types of time, okay? And this is a time we set aside where we just want to meet with God. And we want to give you the opportunity to pray. It's kind of like our invitation before the invitation. So as our praise team leads us in this song, if you'll meet me here at the altar, let's just thank God for our salvation. Amen. Thank God for where we live. God has blessed us so much. Thank God for bringing us through uh, troubles and trials and hardships and different things like that. And then let's also petition heaven on behalf of others. What a tremendous privilege it is to pray, number one, but number two, to pray for somebody else. So if you will, let's use this time for that. And as they lead us in this song, you meet me here at the altar this morning. day. Lord, we want to thank you for our salvation. Thank you for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for mercy. Father, your word says your mercies are new every morning. Lord, we want to thank you for forgiveness. Lord, even after we're saved and how you can cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Father, I want to lift up every name in our bulletin. Lord, you know each and every one. Lord, you love each and every name that's in that bulletin. And Father, we pray for whatever need that is that, Lord, you would meet it. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that you hear us when we pray. Father, you're the answer for everything we're facing. Father, I pray for the rest of this service, Lord, that you would bless the uh, preaching and singing of your word. Father, if there's anyone here today that's never placed their faith and trust in you, Father, I pray that through the Holy Spirit that you would draw them to, them, to, to yourself, open blinded eyes, and raise the spiritually dead and save for your honor and for your glory. And then, Lord, help us as your church, Lord, to be more like you. Help us to put on Christ, as we'll talk about in just a moment. Lord, to lay aside the deeds of darkness and to put on Christ. And Lord, eagerly await for your return. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do today. Lord, if there's anything uh, eternal done today, it's you who did it. And we want to thank you in advance for that. And Father, I pray that we we'll never take these times for granted to worship by ourselves or with our family. Lord, what an honor it is to come into your presence today with this church to give honor and glory and praise to your name. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. And we love you today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you.
Duncan, you may be seated.
Amen. Thank you, choir. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to Romans chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 11 through 14. I'm reminded that uh, I shared this illustration several weeks ago whenever I was preaching about how Augustine was uh, a person who was uh, not very... Well, he wasn't a Christian by, by any stretch of the imagination, and his parents um, were really concerned about him because of how he was living, but he was incredibly smart. And then he felt inspired to pick up the Bible, and when he picked up the Bible, he read these verses, and these verses convicted his heart because he was living exactly like one of the points I'm going to make today. And then God convicted his heart, and then God saved him, and then Augustine became one of the great theologians of all time and a, and a great uh, minister of the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Rev uh, Romans chapter 13, if you will stand with me. And we're going to read verses 11 through 14. We've been going through a series, if you're new here, called Questions and Answers. Last week, we didn't ask a question, I asked you a question. This is the question I asked you, and I hope you'll keep this near and dear to your heart. Are you preparing for eternity? Are you individually, and you can't speak for your spouse or your children, are you preparing for eternity? And the answer is whether you, whether you want to answer or not, as you are. The life you live today matters for eternity. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, it says that heaven's going to be joyous for everybody, but we will not be the same for everybody. God will reward us one day. So your life matters. What you're doing today matters. It matters. To be in church, it matters. This is called the bride of Christ. Jesus Christ died for the church, so this matters. All right? Your life matters. Now, the question we're going to answer today is this. Is Christ's return imminent? Which means, could it happen at any moment? The answer to that is yes. As a matter of fact, in Paul's day, Paul, Peter, James, I'll read some verses by them, all said Jesus could come back now, in their time, 2,000 years ago. So if he's coming back, how should I live? Paul writes this to the church at Rome. At that time, uh, the greatest empire on the planet, at that time, probably intellectually, was at the top of its game. But the culture was a cesspool of immorality. And God saves people in that culture, and Paul tells them how to live. Very powerful passage of Scripture. Notice verse 11. And do this, knowing the time. Look at the word time. Knowing the time. I hope you know the time. That's what he's talking about. That now is high time to awake out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. Notice the urgency of Paul's writing. The day is at hand. Look at the word the day. Very important. Therefore, or because of, let us cast off the works of darkness. Now stop right there. It's, I ask myself this. Is Paul writing to the culture? Is Paul writing to some guys here at the bar? No, Paul's writing to the church. This is what he says. Because Christ could come at any moment, let us, look at the word us, Cast off or lay aside the works of darkness, which means I and you can do the works of darkness. Then he says this, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Now notice here, this is the key, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then notice this last phrase he makes, and make no provision for the flesh. Look at that. I want you to look at me for a moment. And make no provision for the flesh. The reason you'll succeed or fail this week, spiritually speaking, is that phrase. Verse 14. It's a powerful verse that can change your life. 
think about this and make no provision for the flesh. When, when I talk to people and when I counsel with folks who are good Christian people like we are, they love Jesus, they're not bad people. How do they get to, the, to a point that they're in? It's because for some reason they make provision for the flesh. And it changes their whole lives. You know, when we look back at, we preached on the life of David. One night, one night changed his life and the kingdom as we know it forever. Isn't it amazing how one night can change your life? How does that happen? You make provision for the flesh. And I make provision for the flesh. And that means that there's forethought to it. You plan it out and you know what you're doing. Okay? He says, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So today we're going to talk about waking up, cleaning up, and dressing up for the glory. All this is for the glory of God. Okay? For the glory of God. You don't have to be a preacher, missionary, singer, teacher to do this. You just have to be born again. Okay? Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you for your word. Thank you for the urgency, Lord, the conviction, the challenge, the correction, the cleansing that is in these passages. Father, help us as a church to wake up. Lord, it's easy to have church and go through the motions. Lord, it's easy to give and plan a budget and just let things happen. But Lord, help us to wake up. There are 11,000 people in Alexander County who have zero church affiliation. And the day is at hand. What, 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 what will the church do? What will East Hellers will do? Wake up. Father, help us to clean up. Lord, we represent you every day of our lives. Lord, help us not to be caught in revelry, drunkenness, lewdness, sexual sin, strife, and envy. But Lord, encourage us every day of our lives to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, forgive us when we're tempted and help us when we're tempted. And we all are to make provision for the flesh and to fulfill the lust thereof. Father, give us victory today and help us to be a representative of our great Savior. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you alone can do. And we love you today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The question to ask yourself or any thinking Christian should ask is this. Are we living in the last days? Stephen Lawson, who I greatly respect, said this. It would be naive to see what is going on around us and not think we're living in the last days. And he, he went on to say this. Think about Jesus when he spoke uh, on the Mount of Olives. And he told his disciples, this is what's going to happen. This temple, this temple that you love so much and that Jerusalem is known for is going to be overturned and not one stone will be left on the other. Uh, one, not one stone. And historians and archaeology tells us that's what happened in AD 70. Just as you, then he said this. Then I'm going to give you some signs for the end of the age. That time period right before I come back. And he says, when these things increase, they'll be like birth pains to a woman who's pregnant. Then you'll know the end is coming. It doesn't mean the end is now. It means that it is looking like it's coming. And, and some, several preachers said this. What Jesus was talking about is, and they will intensify, is international unrest. Wars, we've always had them. Nations will rise against nations. Ethnic groups against ethnic groups. They've always went on, but they'll increase. Weather catastrophes, plagues, worldwide diseases, death on a global scale shall increase. 
famines and earthquakes. Persecutions of Christians will increase. Do you realize that there are more Christians persecuted now worldwide than in the history of this planet? You just don't hear about it. You realize that there's mass extinction going on in some countries just because you're a Christian. Some Christians, they'll put a mark on their door in certain parts of the country to say a Christian lives here and they may be alive the next day or not. It's amazing. See, God has put us in safe places. We're in a safe place. Never take for granted living in little old Alexander County. You're blessed and you're protected here. Imagine living in Saudi Arabia and loving Jesus. Imagine living in Israel and loving Jesus. Imagine living in Iran and loving Jesus. You are blessed. Imagine living in Pakistan and you want to share your faith. When I went to Canada, I could be put in jail for handing out a tract. You're blessed to live here. I hope you'd never take that for granted. In the last days, the Bible says the love of many will grow cold. People will leave good sound preaching, Paul told Timothy, because their ears are itching. And they'll go after people that do not preach the truth. It'll be men like me who'll stand up, who'll speak on things that are not in that book, and they'll flock big crowds. Is that happening today? I mean, there are some seminaries I wouldn't send somebody to now. What, what has happened in America today and around the world? There'll be the breakdown of law and order. Lawlessness will rule. False prophets. Economic control over the world that would prevent you from buying or selling unless you were in the system. Now think about this. And eventually the system breaks and you'll have worldwide economic disaster. I'm not saying we're living in the last days. But it sure looks like we're getting closer. Now, in Paul's day, in Paul's day, he said Jesus could come back today, 2,000 years ago. And he, he says this, there's three simple things we should do today. If we know that we're living, getting one day closer to Jesus, because Paul even tells the church of Rome, your salvation is a day closer than it was yesterday. Okay, the first thing is this, wake up. Notice the verse. And do this. What is that? And he puts a comma. And do this goes back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Since the day is approaching, you should do this. Romans 12, 1. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Which means this. And I have a sermon. Uh, we just went through Romans 12 about six months ago. That means that I as an individual present my body to Jesus every day as a living sacrifice. Paul says that's your reasonable act of worship. We come in here and we worship, right? When you give, you're worshiping. You're saying, God, thank you for what you've blessed me with, and I'm giving this back to you and your work. All right? But he says, every day you present. I'm, I'm surrendering my life today to you. That's a, your reasonable act of worship. And then he says this, then you'll be able to prove that good and acceptable, perfect will of God for your life. Then he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, the battlefield today is not the heart it's the mind. Be careful what you believe. Jesus would tell his disciples this. Be careful how you listen. Be careful to what you read. Be careful, be careful to who you listen to. See, that's why your child can go to a university and come back and have all these wild beliefs because for four years, six to eight hours a day, unopposed, they're listening to nonsense. Sad, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? Be transformed. The battlefield is the mind. If you control the mind, you control the person.
Okay? I think that's why Satan discourages and, and, and encourages depression and doubt and things like that. Be transformed by the Then he said this. Then, then Paul says this in Romans 12. You've been gifted spiritually. We talked about this last week. Use it. The time's at hand. Wake up. Use your gifts for God. There's going to come a time when you can't. And then he says this in Romans chapter 12. You need to love your brothers and sisters. Love them. Love is a universal language. Have discernment for the times and wake up. And then he says this, and do this knowing the time. Look at that word time. There are two main words for time. One of them is chronos, which means a specific time or day on a calendar. Right now, according to my watch, it's 1106 Sunday, August the 7th. That's not what he's talking about. The word is kairos. It means a very strategic time. It's an opportunity. It's a God time. It is His time for something life-changing. It's an abbreviated period of time where something unusual is going to take place. It will be gone, but it's eternal time. It's an opportunity that can be missed. It's an opportunity that can be missed. And I've told you before, there are times in your life when God has a time for you, right? Invitations are a time. Imagine what life-changing things can happen at an invitation if you'll surrender your life to Jesus. Today we're going to be talking about cleaning up, waking up, all these things. What if you did? What if you did? Imagine how your life will be different this time next year. Imagine how this church will be different. That's why Paul says, wake up, know the time. Do you know the time? Do you really understand the time? Paul was begging the church at Rome, know the time. Guess what this church did? Changed Rome by 300 plus A.D. Changed the whole continent that they lived on because they understood the time. I wonder if America, the churches I'm talking about, are sleepwalking. Just sleepwalking through it all. Apathetic. It's just Sunday. It's just Sunday. Do you know the time? Paul says if you know the time, you'll wake up. Know the time. Kairos. It's, it's, it's an opportunity that can be missed. That's why Paul would say this. Listen to me. Today is the day of salvation. Today. This time may never come again. Today. Today. Today is the day of salvation. It's not a scare tactic, but today. Why would you wait tomorrow to do something eternal today that has eternal consequences? Today. Think about it. Church, the time to witness is now. The time to give is now. The time to serve God in this community and this church is now. Paul would say, wake up. The opposite of being awake is asleep. Wake up. You remember when Jonah was on the boat? God had this great thing for him to do. And Jonah's on the boat and God sends a storm and says, Nah, boy, you're not going that way. And everybody on the boat was tossing water, praying out to their God. And Jonah was what? Asleep. And the pagans come to Jonah and say, Wake up, boy. Call on your God. Maybe he'll save us. And guess what God did? I think the lost world today is begging for the church to wake up, the real church. We have everything that they need and they're looking for. When I got saved, I was 20 years old, not in church. A counselor from this church led me to the Lord. And I remember saying this, this is what I've been waiting on my entire life. Waiting on my entire life. At that time, there were 100 churches in this county and I don't remember one person that represented millions of dollars 
thousands of members that ever shared the gospel with Jamie Steele. Wake up. Are you, are you personally awake now? Wake up as a church. You know, are we awake? Are, is what we're doing impacting the community and the lost? Is our lives, is our, are our meetings at 1030 on Sunday mornings making a difference? But it will if we wake up. Paul says, and do this knowing the time. Now is high time, Paul says, to awake out of sleep. He says, wake up, wake out of sleep, wake up. Think about it for a moment. He says, the night is almost gone. Notice what he says. And now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. That word salvation means that God has saved you presently from the penalty of sin. He can save you, well, in the past from the penalty of sin, present from the, from the active practice of sin, and then in the future, he's going to save you from the presence of sin. That's our past, present, and future salvation. He's talking about when Jesus comes and ultimately delivers us. In verse 12, he says, the night is almost gone. Look at the word for night. That's a metaphor of the present evil age. He says, this is a dark age that Paul is living in. He said, this is a dark age. Think about, think about now. The time now. When I grew up, when I was eight years old, my mom had to, I grew up in a single parent home. My mom worked third shift and then she got off work there, went and worked somewhere else. Okay? Worked somewhere else because she didn't want to take food stamps. So I'm eight years old with my brother living at home. Would you let your kids stay at home now? We would play baseball, basketball, and football every day. If my neighbors had food, I spent the night with them and ate their food. Amen? That's what you do, right? That's what you do. I just did. If you had cable, you had money, so I spent the night with you, too. Okay? Would you let your kids stay at home now at eight years old? We would ride 20 miles a day on a bicycle. Only thing we had to worry about was somebody's crazy dog. And God help us if they had a cat. Amen? That's all you worried about. Hey, when I went to high school, listen to me, every boy that had a truck had a rifle in the truck, and nobody got shot. Everybody, even some of the girls... Especially if you hung out in a smoking area back then. I had a smoking area back then. Carried a pocket knife and nobody got stabbed. What has changed? I'll tell you what's happened. The day is getting darker. You can blame everything in the world. It's the, it's the day and the culture and the time is getting darker. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And Paul says the night is far spent. Paul says there's going to come a time when that is over. But he says this, look. The day is near. He says, the day that Jesus is coming back is getting nearer and nearer and nearer. The night is almost over. The Lord's brother James says this, Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, our judge is standing at the door. He said that 2,000 years ago. He said he's not seated. He's not on his throne. He's at the door. Peter says this in 1 Peter 4, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Revelation 22, Jesus said this, him speaking at the end of the Bible, Behold, I am coming quickly. That's present tense. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. 1 Corinthians 1, 7, we are eagerly, Paul said, awaiting for the revelation or appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3:20 says this, For our citizenship is heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in 2 Timothy for one, Paul says, I charge you, Timothy. Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, that's a charge, is it not? 
He says, I charge you, young man, before God and Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Why? Because the night is far spent. Are you eagerly awaiting Jesus? Listen to this quote I heard from a pastor this past week. He said this. He said, I know of Christians in my church who are more excited about going to the Bahamas than to heaven. Why? Because we are asleep. And by the way, I've been to the Bahamas. It's not that big a deal. When, you, when, when you've lived in Bashtai, you've seen it all, right? It's not that big a deal. Wake up. Now look, because we're to wake up, he gives some negatives and some positives. Look at the second thing. Clean up. Paul gets very personal here. Notice what he says. Therefore, because Christ could come at any moment, and the night is dark, therefore let us, talking to the church, cast off or lay aside. That's the idea of taking off clothes. Let me ask you a question. Don't raise your hand. Have you ever done a mud run? If you've ever done a mud run, you got mental issues. Okay, I don't ever want to do that. I ran a half marathon. and do all, I'm not doing a mud run. What do you do with your clothes? What do you do with them? Do you get back in the car? You go to Outback afterwards? I mean, what do you do? You go home, get in the bed? Now, how foolish would it be for you to go to that dirty home? They wouldn't let you in a restaurant. And Paul says, but you'll walk around church like that. Amen? You'll walk around, you'll, you'll, you'll go into work tomorrow like that and claim Christ as your Savior. He says, this is what I want you to do, to cast off, you have to do this yourselves, to take off the works of darkness. And he's talking to the church. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? I remember Spurgeon when he said he went to death row. And he went to death row there near where his church was. Talking to the men that were going to die. Back then they would kill you quickly. Right? If you were guilty. And a, and a reporter came out and asked Spurgeon. and said, Spurgeon, what do you think? He said, there, but if it weren't for the grace of God. And I'll paraphrase, I'd be just like them. Amen. Therefore, he says, what you have to do on a daily basis, you personally, okay, you have to take off the works of darkness. Think about the church at Rome. The Christians of that day were living in a moral sewer, a cesspool of iniquity. Then they get saved, and Paul says, don't let those old habits come back. It's a call for repentance. You should repent often. Continue to confess your sin and lay aside your sin daily. This, this idea of taking off, Paul told the church at Colossae, listen to what he says to the believers. Put aside or cast off, same word, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth, amen. And do not lie to one another since you lay aside the old self with its evil practices. The tense of the verb indicates they were to continually do it. The writer of Hebrews says this, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Peter says this, he says, put aside all malice, all deceit and hypocrisy, evil and slander. The Lord's brother James says, and he says to the believers, put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and in humility receive the word. There's something to put away, he says, the deeds of darkness. Notice he mentions them. Look at that word revelry and drunkenness. One pastor said this, the followers in Rome, they had a God called Bacchus. And the followers of the small g god Bacchus, the Roman god of wine and intoxication, they had a festival on March 16th and 17th. And the Bacchanalia, they were called, were orgies in honor of him. By the time of Paul, these wicked celebrations had become notorious for their open public sexual perversion 
And no doubt believers in Rome had a past life in the carousing of Rome in March. It would be much like believers today going to Mardi Gras and then participating in Mardi Gras, right? Which is such a foolish celebration. Just foolish. Paul, and, and whenever the, the church at Rome read this, they said, oh, we better not be going back to this celebration, March 16th and 17th. And, and what Paul's saying is some of you are doing it. And then you're coming to church. You want God to bless your life. And he says, it's not so much that, but you're a witness to Rome who is a cesspool of immorality and you're just like them. That's why he says, take off that. Take off rebel and drunkenness. Take off, look at the word lewdness. You know what that means? That means that you're sexually immoral and you're not ashamed about it. You're not ashamed about it. That word means, and this is the Bible, this is God's word, sexually immoral, and you, there's no shame about it. You're taking selfies with your boyfriend or girlfriend. That's what he's saying. And lust. And you're not, that word means you're not ashamed at all about it. And Paul says, church, we can't be that way. And the good news is, if you've been that way, you don't have to be that way forever. Amen? Because all you got to do is take it off. Just take it off and lay it aside. That word lay aside means I'm done with it. Have you ever just come to a point in your life where you said, I'm done with this? Done with it. I'm just done with it. I'm just going to stop it. You don't need to see a counselor. You don't need to read a book. Just look in the mirror and say, I'm done with it. God help me, I'm done with it. And then you're done with it. If you're living in this type of relationship, and I don't know anybody it is, by the way, I'm done with it. I remember when I was a lost man and the preacher would preach and he'd look at me, just like I'm looking at Greg, and I thought, you rascal, you know all about me, don't you? He didn't even know my name, but I thought he did, all right? Look, and strife and envy. You know what that word strife and envy means? As a Christian, this is what that means. That if Matt Yelverton's blessed, I hate him for it. And I played golf with Matt yesterday, and I'll keep that to myself, okay? He's very good. But it'd be like this. If, if Matt got a big, if we worked in the same place, and he got a raise, I would be so upset that I would hate him for it. That's what that means. You know what Paul says? In the church, don't let that happen. That's what the pagans do. Or if Jeff gets to sing, and I'm a good singer, and Sharon asks him to sing every Sunday, and I hate him for it, and I hate her for it too. Because she's the one that decides that. Right, Melissa? Sharon's deciding it. So we hate you for it. Should a Christian be that way? Jesus said this to his disciples. The world is going to know you know me. Not just how you love the world, but how you love each other. I mean, if you can't get along in here, do we expect you to get along at Hancock and Moore? Or Walmart? Or wherever you go? Look, he says, take off striping. And then the last thing he says is this, is dress up. Now notice what he says. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is talking about your practical sanctification. See, when you're saved, you're robed in Christ's righteousness, the Bible says. Positionally, you are. Listen, Galatians 3.27 says, when we're baptized in the Christ, we have been clothed. With Christ, the prophet Isaiah said this, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. The picture is this, when God saved me, I'm clothed in Christ's righteousness. Positionally, I'm saved forever. Past, present, and future, all my sins are forgiven. I'm justified. That's a legal term that is irreversible. It cannot be revoked. I am saved for eternity, regardless of how I live. 
because of my faith in Jesus. But practically speaking, i got to live up to that, right? See, it's one thing to wear a letter jacket. It's another thing to contribute to the team, right? A whole bunch of people wearing letter jackets have played 10 minutes, one quarter. Live up to the name, okay? My grandpa used to always tell me this, son, you're, you, my name is on the line. And I had great respect for him. And he said, the way you're living is an embarrassment to our family before the Lord saved me. See, when you get saved, you're saved. Positionally speaking, you're holy and set apart. But practically speaking, you've got to do something every day. You've got to put Jesus on. Every day. Every day you put him on. Every day you make a decision when you get up. Every day I'm going to put on Christ today. I'm wearing Christ today. Paul told the church at Ephesus, For you were formerly darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walk. That means a path you're setting. That means your life. Walk meant lifestyle. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk. Aren't you glad he didn't say run or jog? He didn't say that. Or ride one of them crazy bikes? He didn't say that. He said walk. It's just like this. Anybody can walk, right? Unless you're physically unable, you can walk. People say, well, how do you, how do you start losing weight? Well, if you want to, just walk. I don't know about that. Well, you walked in the house, right? Walk around the house. Walk. Spiritually speaking, God says, I'm not going to make this hard. Just walk. Stop making excuses. Stop it. Just walk. Walk in the Spirit one step at a time, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. My desires and your desires, my temptations and yours are probably totally different. Probably totally different. What I struggle with, John probably doesn't. What he struggles with, I probably don't. So we got to put on individually Jesus every day. Because we represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You know you are a subject in a kingdom right now. And you're representing Jesus. And sleepwalkers, people who are asleep, they don't care. Take no thought about putting on Jesus. And what happens is this. Notice, he says, And make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill the love. Look at that word provisions. It's an amazing word. It's a fascinating word. That word means this. It means forethought or thought out in advance. Do you hear me? It means forethought or thought out in advance. He's talking about Christians. It has the idea of planning something, the idea of setting your plans for the purpose of fulfilling your desires that are evil. You got a day planner for sin. You got, you got a calendar. On my, on, my, on my Apple phone, I got a calendar, okay? And I have a timer because I forget everything. At my age, kids, you'll forget stuff, okay? I'm 52. I have an alert where it buzzes me, and I'll, tomorrow I'll be, oh, yeah, I got to do this, okay? Some people have a sin plan like that. Look, men, you're married. I got to see this lady at lunch. She's not my wife. Alert, lunchtime. Oh, you planned that out. It wasn't a mistake. You know, own up to your sin plan. You remember when David walked out on the rooftop and he saw Bathsheba? He looked at her, and the word in the Hebrew meant he just looked at her. And he didn't turn his head from her. He just kept looking at her. And his heart started longing for her, and he says, Why don't you go find out who she is? Sin plan. He found out who she was. She's married to Uriah the Hittite. Oh, bring her on up here. Sin plan. We're not, we're not much different than David, are we? David had a plan. Do you have a plan? What are your plans? Let me ask you a question. I could, I could, I could save you a lot of hurt and heartache. 
What are your plans right now? In your heart, you don't got to tell me. You don't got to tell anybody. Tell the Lord, what are your plans? You may just save your marriage today. What are your plans? Realistically, just be honest with God for once in your life, Christian. What are your plans right now that nobody knows about? You making plans? That word, Paul is telling church, hey, this is an amazing word. He says, you, you forethought, you planned it out. You're having a plan to fulfill the lust of the flesh. You got a plan. You got, what's on your calendar? What is on your calendar? I looked at my calendar this, last night when I studied. I said, I got so much going on. What's on your calendar? Listen to this. The, the Old Testament talked highly about this. Psalm 36. The transgression of the wicked says this. Within my heart, there is no fear of God before my eyes. And there's no fear of God before your eyes if you're making plans. He flatters himself in his own eyes until his iniquity is found out to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and do good. Isn't that how sin leads us? He devises plans, mischief. On his bed, he sets himself in a way that is not good. He has set his whole life around his sin. One scholar says, that's right. He plans it and sets himself in the track that he has planned. And he pursues the sin on the track that he has devised in his own mind. What the Lord is saying through the Holy Spirit and the Apostle Paul is don't plan your sinning, East Tellersville. I'm not talking about any other church in the county. I'm talking about East Tellersville Baptist Church. Psalm 52, the psalmist says this, Why are you boasting yourself in mischief, almighty man? Your tongue devises evil mischief. You love enemy more than good and lying rather than speaking righteousness. You devise mischief. Look at this verse on the screen. These six things the Lord hates. Look at the word hates. What does God hate? Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. You're no better than anybody else, are you? That's why when you join this church, we give you a brick. I'm no better than you. I have a different calling. I'm no better. I don't get special privileges. The policy of this church applies to me and my family just like yours. Amen. That's the way it should be. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. And then look at this. A heart that devises wicked plans. What are your plans? Let's just be honest with yourself. What are your plans? I'm going to ask you musicians to come. When you think about time, okay, this invitation is a time for you. It is a time for you to make things right with God. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I would encourage you today as an individual, you can't do this for anybody else, but to place your faith and your trust and your life and your soul in the Lord's hands. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, every head bowed and every eye. Well, don't close your eyes yet. Look on the screen. Ask yourself these questions, okay? I'm going to ask you, are you awake today? Are you awake? Ask God in the quietness of this moment, Lord, awaken my spirit to you. Have you are you apathetic toward the things of God? Are you apathetic toward church? We all get there. Just be honest. Are you clean? Only you can answer that. Only you can answer that. Are you clean? And then be honest with yourself. What are your plans this week? What are your plans? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes and pray something like this. Lord, will you cleanse me? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Lord, will you cleanse me? Lord, please wake me up. Just admit, Lord, I've been sleepwalking through life. We all do that at times. 
Lord, please waken me up. Use my life for your honor and for your glory. And then be honest about your plans. Oh, Lord, help me to plan good things, not bad things. Lord, forgive my plans. Some of you may want to throw away your planner today. Throw it away. At this altar, if you need to come forward, that's fine. If not, pray there. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you for your grace and for your mercy, for your love, for your word. Jesus, you know all about us and you love us. Father, help us to honor your name and present our bodies today as a living sacrifice for you. Lord, we all fall short. This is not about being perfect at all. But Lord, we are to give honor and glory to your name and help us, Lord, to be alive, to be awake, to clean up, Lord, to dress up for your honor and for your glory. Lord, this invitation is your time and these are your people and I pray that it would bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Sharon's gonna lead us in a song and you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. everyone of you for being here this morning. I want to tell you that I love you. I'm honored to be your pastor. Um, I hope you have a great week. Uh, church Bible study starts Wednesday at 7 p.m. I uh, hope to see you there. God bless you. Uh, shake hands with somebody before you leave, and I hope you have a great week. God bless you, and you're dismissed.